Welcome to our Catechism class. It's a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help you learn Christian doctrine with a warm and practical application. Each lesson has its own study guide, and the web link to find that guide can be found in the episode notes. Okay, let's start the lesson. So welcome to our catechism class once again. Uh, we're going to look at Lord's Day 39, uh, question 104, which asks, what does God require in the fifth commandment? What does God require in the fifth commandment? And the answer to that is, that I show all honour, love and faithfulness to my father and mother and to all those in authority over me, submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline and also have patience with their weaknesses and shortcomings since it is God's will to govern us by their hand. So we're going to look at that in our class today in order to prepare for the lesson. I'd like you to read Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22 to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Ephesians 5.22 to Ephesians 6 and verse 4. You're listening to the Semper Reformata podcast with Bob McAvoy. Lord's Day 39, question 104, and we're taught in the fifth commandment that we are to honour our parents. But of course the catechism and indeed the law of God is much more specific than that, for they both acknowledge that our parents will be our father and our mother, in other words a man and a woman. And this is where we must start. Uh, to break the commandments is a sin. And yet how can we keep the fifth commandment if we have been deliberately deprived of the means to keep it, to have both a father and a mother? Now there would be no dispute about that whatsoever in biblical times or even in the days of our catechism instructor. A family in the Bible consists of a man and a woman and children, if it so be that the Lord blesses us with offspring. That's the pattern decreed by Almighty God in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 21, we read these words. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now Jesus teaching his disciples in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 4 to 6 confirms this. There we read, And Jesus answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? 
and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. Paul also confirms this. In Ephesians he uses human marriage as an illustration of the unbreakable relationship between Christ and his church. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 30, For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So when our instructor in the Catechism reminds us that we are to honour our father and our mother, he is of course simply restating God's plan for humanity, for us. A child, to put it in the simplest terms, needs a mommy and a daddy. They need role models for behaviour. They need a household where parents complement each other and where the marriage bond reflects the love between Christ and his elect. So Paul tells us in Ephesians, the passage that you will already have read, what this marriage bond will look like. In Ephesians 5 and verse 22, he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, and also Christ is head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be so to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle or any other such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So anything other than God's standard is a falling short. And it is therefore sinful. It is a demonstration of our rebellion against the God who created us and who demands our undivided allegiance. We sin, of course, because we are by nature sinners. Paul reminds us of that in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so modern society experiments with marriage and with relationships. They have same-sex parents, marriages with more than two partners, couples living together outside of a committed married covenant relationship. And all of those fall outside God's will for families. And the effects of such arrangements on the children may well be detrimental to their mental, their physical and certainly their spiritual well-being. When a father is absent or a mother is absent, one of the essential pillars of the child's emotional and developmental supports has been denied to him or to her. One of the most serious problems in modern society is absentee fathers. 
When Paul addresses children in Ephesians chapter 6, he specifically mentions fathers and their role in the upbringing of their children. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long in the land. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So there's a father's role. Uh, specifically within the family. And that role in the family unit is to be the family's pastor, to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord, to train them in godliness and fear of God. And it's a responsibility that cannot be shirked. And I would argue it cannot be the role of a woman. For pastoral responsibility, whether in the family or in the church, is a role designated for men. And what of single parentage? To be sure, there are single parents who bring up children on their own and who do so well and who do so not by choice, but only because a partner, a husband or a wife has died or because of a divorce situation. Some might actually argue with some justification that when a parent has died, that the influence of the now deceased parent upon their children can be memorialised and remembered and their memory honoured, therefore, among the family. But in the case of unintended single parenthood, it may well fall to other members of the family to provide that rounded upbringing that children need. I think perhaps grandparents, uncles, aunties can supply the love and discipline that is deficient because of the missing parent. So it is good for parents raising children alone to include such role models in their family and in their activities and in their family devotions and not to neglect the input of the wider Christian family also. Yet it needs to be said that there has been a reckless tendency among some young women today to see single parenthood almost like a career option especially in societies where there is a social security fallback, societies like ours. So to have a baby in her teens can give a young mother access to benefits to a house, can spare her from having to carve out a job pathway in a difficult or a tedious occupation. But deliberately depriving a child of a father in those circumstances is not God's way. And anybody who has succumbed to such a temptation really needs to repent and seek the Lord for forgiveness. The same biblical censure would apply to reckless fathers, men who will impregnate various women in pursuit of their lust and depriving children of the safety and security and stability of a loving two-parent family with a mum and dad who love them and keep them safe and act as their example. So our first lesson on this Lord's Day is that we are to honour our father and our mother. And that statement itself presupposes that we will agree with God that his way The way of marriage for many millennia is always the right way. So, what does it mean to honour our father and our mother? 
In our next lesson, we will see what obedience to our parents will look like and how that obedience will impact on wider society. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please help to make it better known by opening the podcast app on your phone or mobile device. Then, search for The Semper Reformata Podcast. Subscribe and give it a 5-star rating. See you next time.